Did state representatives in Texas actually vote to raise their pension? Also, what does Dade Phelan really think about the Democrat chairs that he's appointed? And what does he really think about Dennis Bonin, his predecessor, who also appointed Democrat chairs? He kind of threw him under the bus this week. We'll get to that in a little bit. But we are going to start today's show with commemorating the life that Jill Glover lived. Let's get to the show. On Sunday morning, literally while I was at church, I got the news that my friend Jill Glover had passed away. This is something that a lot of us have been preparing for for months and walking with Jill through. The interesting thing is that if you look across the political spectrum, um, you will see just how impactful of a person Jill was. You have a lot of people who disagree politically on many different issues that are all making social media posts about the life of Jill Glover. Now, if you are somebody who's not super involved in the Republican Party of Texas, you might not know who Jill Glover is. Some of the people that listen to this show on a regular basis aren't that steeped into the inside politics, but she serves on the state Republican Executive Committee. She's a longtime activist and somebody who really stepped up was the spearhead to getting the Texas GOP even more involved in the legislative process, a process that was kind of started with some of these legislative priorities. Alan West appointed her as chair of the Legislative Priorities Committee, and she took it to a whole new level. And she has set the standard, set the bar for how active the Republican Party of Texas should be in the legislative process. And that was just then taken to the next level with Chairman Matt Rinaldi, who kept her in that position. She continued to serve well. She put a lot of pressure on the Texas House of Representatives two years ago uh, on the issue of banning child gender modification or genital mutilation, as we call it. Um, they did not heed her pressure. And two years later was very involved again just this last session, and I'm so grateful that she got to see that issue that she has worked so tirelessly on pass. And I know everybody involved worked with her in some form or fashion. On a personal level, Jill is close to the age of my mom. And even this last legislative session, we had the chance to just sit down for dinner several times, just the two of us, um, and have conversations about the politics of the session, policies that were going on. She was someone who I worked with closely in many different respects on many different issues. I don't want to dig into the politics of all this right now. I want to tell you that literally a couple of weeks ago, actually at this point, like well over a month ago, my pastor asked me to preach on Sunday and he asked me to preach the Sunday after Christmas. So this would have been December 31st. And he, the passage that we went through that week was the song of Simeon. And Simeon is a man who um, God told he would see the Messiah before he died. And so Simeon would go to the temple on a regular basis. And when the time came for Jesus to be brought to the temple by his parents, Mary and Joseph, he was brought and Simeon saw him. He beheld him. And when he held him in his arms, he actually made a statement. He actually said, my eyes have seen your salvation. This is a proclamation he makes. And then he says, now your servant may depart in peace. 
that full sermon, you can go to my YouTube channel. I, I posted it for any of y'all who want to listen to it. Um, but in the course of preparing this sermon, I couldn't help but think of Jill. And she told me quite a while ago, it was following the legislative session that she was very, very sick. And, um, and she walked through that sickness. I'm going to read you the note that she shared a number of weeks ago when she went home. My precious friends, I have cancer that is very insidious and aggressive. I tried many and alternative treatments before going to UT Southwestern. Nothing worked. The cancer quickly escalated and I lost mobility and became bedridden. We did the very latest and most innovative treatments along with conventional treatments. Though it relieved some pain, it did not alleviate the swelling in my neck and right side of my body. The cancer invaded my lungs and I suffered a lung collapse while in the hospital. Yesterday, we had our final visit from the doctors and they have no further ability to treat me further. My options were to go to a nursing home where I would have no quality of life or have hospice care at home. My deepest desire was to come home and God gave me away. Although I didn't think I could, it all worked out. I consider that mercy from God. Curtis, my husband, has given me the greatest gift in bringing me home when I had nowhere else to go. This world is fleeting. It is not my home. While I have made many mistakes, I have done my best to be faithful to what God has called me to do. I am not indispensable. You all know what to do. Keep sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the most important thing of all. While in the hospital, I got to pray with a young doctor for his son. Many nurses prayed with me. You never know whose path you may cross who needs encouragement or needs to hear about Jesus. Politics will go away when Jesus comes to rule. In the meantime, please stand for biblical truth. You all have blessed me beyond measure. Always look to share Jesus. Jill. If you aren't prepared to die well, then you are going to struggle to live well. We have a saying in this world, I can die a happy man. Have you ever heard that? Have you heard, heard somebody use it? It usually happens after some euphoric experience. I, I use this example in my sermon. I said that I, I, I think I've used it after eating a really good ribeye. Now I can die a happy man. The idea is that prior to eating that ribeye or prior to this other euphoric experience in your life, if you were to die at that point, you would not be happy. But now that you've done this thing or accomplished this feat, you can die a happy man. And Simeon in Luke says, after literally holding Christ, now your servant can depart in peace. Death will come to us all. Even in politics, we've got people who, you know, are dreaming of living to 120 or 150 and all of mod modern medicine, whatever that's going to do to us. Our life expectancy is literally going down as a society because people are killing themselves at a higher rate than they used to. No matter what happens, death will come to us all. So the question is, how do we live our life here? Do we basically wait around 
Do we wait to be able to say, well, if, if I can just accomplish these things, then I'll be able to die a happy person. If I can just accomplish these things, then I'll be able to die in peace. What about, what, what about you? Are you waiting to like beat enough liberal Republicans? Is that what you're waiting for? Jill Glover and I had statements months ago where we literally talked about all the different house races. Even in the worst parts of her treatment, she would say, I need you to keep me up to date. It helps keep my spirits up. So I'd send her updates on the races and endorsement that was made or fundraising goals, candidates that got in the race. Now, Jill was very aware at the time that her life was coming to an end. But most of us live in this world where we're not at peace, we're not okay, unless these things go the way we want them to. Or it's the relationships in our life, it's our marriages, it's our kids. There's all these conditions we want to put. If these conditions are met, then I will be at peace. But you need to stop searching for that. And I want to get to some more stuff on Texas politics here, so I'm not going to belabor this. If you want to go listen to my sermon, you can. But Jill Glover lived a life that is worthy to be recognized. Jill Glover lived a life, a testimony. Revelation says the accuser, who is the devil, will be silenced by two things, the blood of the lamb and the words of your testimony. And I can say that the accuser's words will be silenced for Jill Glover. The words of her testimony, the life that she lived. She's somebody who I already really miss terribly, even in the last couple weeks when she stopped communicating to as many people. I missed her. I wanted to text her. I wanted to talk to her. Somebody who we've co-strategized on different Texas political things for a very long period of time. So I just wanted to take a few minutes for each and every one of you who didn't know Jill to know that Texas conservatives lost a true patriot this last week, but she is now home. She is at peace. And I had the opportunity to have conversations with her where she was still at peace, even in walking through what she walked through. So I hope that that testimony of her life can maybe allow some of us to walk through even the next couple months of this primary season and the runoffs with a little more peace. Because our peace shouldn't be conditional on the outcome of things in this political world we live in. With that being said, I want to transition to a question that some people are asking themselves. Did lawmakers vote to raise their own pensions this last session? And you might ask, well, why are people asking that question? Texans for Fiscal Responsibility, one of the premier conservative organizations in Texas, put out some information this week about several lawmakers who voted to raise their own pensions. And Jared Patterson, State Representative Jared Patterson, took to Facebook, I think, or Twitter, I don't know. And he said, it shouldn't surprise you that grifters who earn a living by sowing discord between the grassroots and the Texas House are lying to Republican voters. 
these people just use the word lie. I just, it's just like, that's all they know how to do. They're just very dramatic people. Text campaigns have flooded voters' phones in recent months. They'll pick up steam. This is what he says. Recently, one text campaign, I can't read this whole thing because I don't have time. Recently, one text campaign stated that Texas House members voted to increase their own pension this session. This is a lie. This is what he says. This is a lie. HB 438 would never have come to the Texas House floor if it increased lawmakers' pensions. Into the weeds. And then he goes into the weeds. The bill adjusted the annual base salary for a district judge by factoring in inflation, while certain salaries and retirement benefits for other judicial positions and elected members of the employee retirement system are calculated in reference to the annual base salary for a district judge or justice. ERS has verified that lawmakers would not see an increase in their own pensions or salaries because the indexing would not apply to the formula calculating for the elected member class. Now that sounds really complicated, right? And we're going to break that down a little bit for you, what all was just said. But he's talking about a bill. Now, when the bill came out, uh, Texans for Fiscal Responsibility did a write-up on it, House Bill 438. And the analysis they had was, this is what they said. This week, legislators are considering House Bill 438, which would index judicial salaries to inflation and presumably would increase legislators' pensions with it. The bill was postponed on Wednesday after taxpayers complained about the impending passage of the self-serving legislation. Here's what I want to, I love these guys. So these politicians bring up HB 438 and they all vote on it. And Texans for Fiscal Responsibility at the time said, hey, this raises their own pension. Then they actually paused the bill. You want to know why they paused the bill? Because they didn't really know if the bill actually increased their own pension or not. Now they're all freaking out. What's going to happen? We're raising this up. I don't know. Does it? raise our pension or doesn't it? And they know politically that's a really dangerous thing to do. So they delay because they don't know. Then they decide, they come up with this whole thing. The ERS says that the base allotment versus the inflationary raise won't affect the pensions. This is kind of what they come up with. This is what Texans for Fiscal Responsibility said at the time. They said, now legislators are protesting, arguing that the bill will increase judicial salaries without impacting legislators' pension but that does not follow from a natural reading of the laws governing legislators' pension. Texas Government Code 814.103. I know this is in the weeds, but please bear with me, guys. It says the standard of service retirement annuity for a service credited in the elected class of members is an amount equal to the number of years they serve credited in the class times 2.3% of the state's base salary, excluding longevity pay and payable, and as adjusted from time to time being paid to a district judge as set by the General Appropriations Act in accordance with section 659.012. So that's a bunch of legalese that says, hey, when you move up judge salaries, you move up legislator pensions. That's how this works. Now, Jared Patterson is very offended because he says HB 438 didn't raise their pensions. Now, a couple weeks later, the legislature works on another pension-related bill HB 2779. So Jared Patterson and his buddy's contention is, hey, I don't know what you're talking about. We just raised the judges. That didn't raise our own pensions. But then a couple weeks later, they're trying to pass HB 2779. Now, the point of HB 2779 was to separate district judges from state representatives in the pension uh, calculation. Okay? So... This was going to increase the annual base salary for district judges. And then uh, 
it was supposed to like actually separate state representatives from the pension process. Now, again, I know this is getting really wonky at this point, but you have to understand I'm putting this out there because I know every one of those state representatives are going to go on the campaign trail and they're all going to say, I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't raise my pension. And that's why I'm digging into these weeds right now because I can see the arguments already happening on social media. And I watched it happen. So HB 2779, they're saying, hey, this is going to separate lawmakers' pensions from district judge salaries. That's what we're doing with this bill. Okay? Now, I'm going to scroll back because if you think about it, you should. So you got hit for raising your pensions with HB 438. You then said it doesn't matter what we do to judicial salaries. That doesn't raise our pensions. Then a couple weeks later, you're passing HB 2779, which separates judicial pensions from legislator pensions. So if it doesn't raise it, why do you have to separate it? But let's say it didn't raise it and you are separating it. Well, while they're separating it, Tracy King added an amendment. And for Jared Patterson's sake, I'm going to read what this amendment says. So this amendment is specifically talking about what legislator pensions were going to be. And the bill had it set at basically marking them as having a salary of $140,000 a year. And then that was going to be the mark. And then their pension was going to be based on that. And it substituted that. And here's what it said. The sum of 140000 so that's what the pension was going to be based on, plus any applicable increases determined by the Texas Ethics Commission to reflect inflation or any other relevant factors. Let's read that one more time. Or any applicable increases. So 140 plus what? Applicable increases determined by who? The Texas Ethics Commission, which basically just works to protect all these politicians, by the way, to reflect any inflation or any other relevant factors. So guess what? Not only are the lawmakers building in an annual increase in their pension here, it could be beyond inflation. Texas Ethics Commission could say, well, it's going to go up. This is inflation, and this is some other relevant factor that also increases their pension. HB 2779 said 140000 and then they amended it and said, well, let's just do 140000 and anything else that like makes it go up every year. They voted to raise their own pension. It's right there. And these guys act like Texans for Fiscal Responsibility are dumb that they can't read basic policy that's passed by the Texas House of Representatives. They passed that bill. They added that amendment. They voted for that bill with that amendment on it. So if you're wondering if lawmakers voted to increase their own pension, they did. Your state representative, if they come to you and say, I don't know what you're talking about, I didn't vote to make my pension larger. Yes, they did. They voted for an annual inflationary bump and maybe a couple other factors that just take it up. And they don't have to ever vote for it again. So take it this way. For the last 10 years, every time a state representative wanted to increase their pension, they had to vote on it. They had to vote on it. And this bill that ended up dying, by the way, but this bill made it to where they can get raises moving forward and never have to vote on it again. They're like, hey, why don't we just build in a system that raises our pension without us actually voting to raise our pension? That way we can stop getting hit on it, hit, hit on that issue on the campaign trail. Okay, so I hope that answers 
the question. Did lawmakers in the Texas House of Representatives vote to increase their own pension last session? The answer is yes, they did. Last but not least, we are going to go to a video that Dade Phelan, um, of Dade Phelan in his district, answering a question from a constituent about Democrat chairs. Okay. And uh, this is just uh, some local event there in Beaumont. And I think I will, I will say this, you, the whole thing's like, I think 15 minutes. I don't have time for that. So I've narrowed it down to four minutes, the four most relevant minutes. Okay. And I just want to make it clear. I'm not taking Dade feeling out of context at all. He makes it very clear in the video that he's for Democrat chairs. And he's very mad at the people that are against him for being for Democrat chairs. So let's go to this clip. I've, had, I've asked you this before, but not in this group. Please explain to people why and how it came about. And because that seems, this seems to be a general thing in people that are mad at you. Why we appoint Democratic chairs and oh, who the chairs are and how much power do they really have? And can they keep something from coming to you to go to court? Every Republican speaker has appointed Democratic chairs. Every Republican lieutenant governor has appointed Democratic chairs, including the current lieutenant governor as we speak right now. Okay, so first of all, just spoiler alert, he will never answer the question that she said, which is, can they keep a bill from coming to you? 100% they can, okay? So he doesn't answer that question, but it's not in his best interest to answer that question. Second of all, he says, all the other Republicans did it. That's kind of his whole excuse if you listen to this whole thing, like, they all did it. Why can't I do it? And then also he says, well, everyone's appointed Democrat chairs, even the lieutenant governors, even the lieutenant governor as we speak right now, which is funny because he can't say Dan Patrick's name, but he can't stand Dan Patrick. And we already talked to you about this a couple weeks ago, but Dan Patrick just replaced the last remaining Democrat chair with a Republican. So he literally went in, John Whitmire just got elected mayor in Houston and replaced him with Pete Flores. The Texas Senate, for the first time under Republican leadership, has only Republican chairman, which is a legislative priority of the Republican Party of Texas. So you have to understand that Dan Patrick had one this last session and he replaced him with a Republican and now has zero as we speak right now. Let's continue. When I put a point of chair of, say, natural resources, I mean, what, what conservative policy is not getting passed out of natural resources or transportation? I mean, we're not talking Republican-Democrat fights in transportation. You know what we're talking about? Houston versus Dallas. <laughs> and Southeast Texas getting our fair share. Um, again, I had predecessors who were Republicans. Okay, so he then talks about how, oh, well, if you're like a Democrat chair of transportation, that doesn't matter, right? Natural resources, right? Okay, I want you to understand that the lawmakers who have the most important policy in natural resources are Republican lawmakers. They are Republican rural lawmakers in East Texas and West Texas, Central Texas, all over the place. These lawmakers, if a Democrat chairs natural resources, are beholden to that Democrat to even have their bill heard, which means if they're on the floor and you go to them, and by the way, I've been in these discussions, you go to a lawmaker and say, hey, you need to fight this amendment. This is a bad bill. Can you oppose this thing? And they'll say, hey, I would, but I have this hearing next week in natural resources and I need my bill on the list to be heard. 
you've handed the Democrats this massive amount of leverage they're going to use to then keep Republicans on the sidelines on key battles. Now, next, Dade's going to go in and start talking about certain committees he made the change on. Let's listen to that. Who appointed Democrat chairs to public health. That decides all the pro-life issues. I didn't do it. I put a staunch conservative in there. That's why we have the most conservative pro-life piece of legislation in any state. We passed the heartbeat bill, we passed the trigger bill. Other states have 10, 14, 16 weeks. Texas is zero weeks. It's the most conservative pro-life bill, period. Most conservative, uh, some of my predecessors that are Republicans, they appointed Democrats to chair Homeland Security. That's all the Second Amendment legislation. I didn't do it. I put James White in there. Y'all know James White? Yeah. I put James White in. What did we get? Constitutional carry. Plus probably 11 to 12 other excellent, you know, I would call landmark bills that other states are trying to pass when it comes to the Second Amendment. NRA endorsed me, they gave me an A plus, um, which is hard to get. They only get about two or three A pluses in the entire legislature every cycle. So this to me just reminds us why we actually are fighting the Democrat chair issue. Democrat chairs came up, the vote was taken, all these freedom caught, Briscoe King got up, he made a speech about it, all these different things. And all of a sudden, all these members were on record voting publicly saying, I want Democrats to chair committees, which now means that they're responsible for every Democrat chair the speaker appoints. So when Dennis Bonin put Democrats in charge of the abortion legislation and gun legislation, all of a sudden those guys are going to Dade and going, hey, you better not put Democrats there because we just voted for Democrat chairs. We backed you up on this. But if you put Democrats in charge of those committees, we're going to get roasted back home. Please don't put Democrats on those committees. And Dade, needing to respond to the people that helped get him there, said, okay, I'm not going to put Democrats in charge of those committees, but I'm putting them in charge of 40% of the committees. Still. He then talks about the fact that I've appointed, at one point in this talk, he was like, I've appointed less Democrats than anybody ever. Which, by the way, from last session to this session, he decreased the number of Democrats chairing committees. Why? Because it's such a big issue. Nobody was ever talking about it. We put it on the Republican primary ballot. The party did that. The grassroots did that. They stepped up. Every one of us voted for it. 80 plus percent of Texans all said this needs to happen. We put the pressure on these guys and they're moving every single session on this issue. And Dade's deal is, well, I didn't do what Dennis Bonin did. He doesn't mention the name, by the way, but it's Joe Strauss and Dennis Bonin. But he can't because Dennis is like a lobbyist and Dennis's brother, he's appointed to chair appropriations. And he lets Dennis strategize around a lot of house leadership stuff. So he doesn't want to throw him under the bus, but he's also trying to speak him, you know, give himself kudos and a pat on the back. So in doing so, he kind of has to throw him under the bus. So he disguises him in this term past predecessors. But what he's saying is Dennis Bonin appointed Democrats to chair public health and public safety. And by the way, Jared Patterson and all these other moderate schmucks they all back up Dennis Bonin every day. They back up the Democrats he put in charge. They didn't get mad about that. They didn't get mad about date given 40%, and they didn't get mad when he decreased it. See, we actually like the momentum on this issue. We went from not having Democrats chair public health and public safety. That was a great win two sessions ago. Last session, Democrats actually went down. That's a good win, but it's not where it needs to be. 
until it's where Dan Patrick is gone, which is zero. Zero. Let's continue. There's a narrative out there that I created this Democratic chair thing. No, I wasn't even alive when it started. And I'm far from the first Republican to ever do it. And actually, this last cycle, I appointed fewer Democratic chairs than any other speaker has ever appointed in the history of, say, Texas as far as a Republican. And so it's, it's a false narrative. Um, our party chair loves to talk about it. He was in the legislature for two cycles, and guess what? He never offered any solution to it. He talked about how we should pass a, we should pass a, a rule this cycle that says no Democrat should, it should be in the House rules. Why didn't he propose that when he was in the House? He didn't bother to do it. Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest, ask that question to him. So thank you for asking it. Okay. So clearly Matt Rinaldi is really bugging Dade Feeling, which is fun to see the frustration. This is always another kind of defense like, oh, well, since nobody fought to ban Democrat chairs in 2017 or 2019 or 2015, then we don't need to ban Democrat chairs. And here's the reality. Grassroots Republicans weren't fighting. It was never a legislative priority. It was never anything we tried to push. But it is now. And you know what? There are some Republicans that woke up and said, my gosh, we should ban this entire practice all out instead of just complaining about it. Let's actually ban it. Conservatives for a long time opposed the speaker and they would oppose the speaker's appointments of Democrat chairs. But now that it is a set rules fight, it's something each Republican individually has to own. I love that Dade says everyone's saying I came up with this. First of all, nobody's saying you came up with this, Dade. None of us have said you came up with this. What we have told people, including everyone in your district, is that you appoint Democrats to chair committees. And the average person in Beaumont or Orange County who hears that goes, why are you doing this? They assume you're the first person that did it because it seems so dumb that it was happening in the first place. And when you come back to them and go, well, everybody else did it. I didn't do it to start. That's not that great of a defense. But I love how he goes, there's this narrative out there that I'm the one who started this. None of us had to say that. All you had to say was tell his voters there's Democrat chairs and they assume you started it because it sounds so dumb that they would have hoped that the Republicans that came before you wouldn't have done that. And your defense is, no, we've always operated in such a manner, which is what we talk about with the Texas heist. They always operate. If you haven't watched that documentary, go watch the documentary, Texas heist. It's on YouTube, Texas scorecard. They've always empowered Democrats. And Dade Phelan still empowers Democrats. He's mad that Matt Rinaldi's talking to his voters about Democrat chairs. He's mad that even though he keeps making, giving Democrats less power, it's not enough. And it never, it won't be. It won't be until you take that power out of their hands, including the Transportation Committee, including Natural Resources, and all these other committees they use to hamstring Republicans every single day of the legislative session. Until we change our posture with the Democrat Party in Texas, we will not be able to advance the conservative priorities we need day in and day out. So I hope that this video is encouraging to you because you know what? All of you who are out there talking about these issues every single day, it's penetrating. It's making noise. It's actually making a difference. Because Dade Phelan's going into these places with his friends and they're like, hey, everyone mad at you seems to bring up this issue. What's What's the deal? And he's forced to answer them. So keep going out there. Keep talking to people. Keep bringing these issues up because these guys are held accountable. When they are held accountable, their excuses are pretty lame. Jared Patterson's rant about this is just a lie. We didn't raise our own pensions. He, he raised his own pension. 
So there you go. I hope y'all are staying safe. I hope you're staying warm. It is freezing cold. I'm actually recording this in my office and I've got a heater on and it's still kind of cold in my office because my office is like separate from my house. And so like I'm not on the same AC as my house is. So it's a little chilly. I hope you're staying warm. I hope you're staying safe as you're driving. May God bless you. And my God bless the great state of Texas. Why get your news from people who don't share your values? Get news stories from Texas Scorecard. We provide real news for real Texans. Go to texasscorecard.com today. Thank you for listening to The Luke Macias Show. To find out more information about what's going on here in Texas, visit texasscorecard.com.